0: Welcome to this online act of worship at St Bride's Church Fleet Street here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're joining us. Do please leave a comment or a like it's always good to hear from you and if you would like to donate to help support these online services you'll find information about how to do so in the accompanying text. And now may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. everyone to our service of choral Evensong on this the 18th Sunday after Trinity. It's wonderful that you can join us for this online act of worship. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, our worship and praise and thanksgiving to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: The Old Testament lesson is written in the book of the prophet Nehemiah, chapter 8, beginning at the ninth verse. And Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha, and Ezra the priest the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God, mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them. Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat, and to drink, and to send portions, and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount, and fetch olive branches, and pine branches, and myrtle branches, and palm branches, and branches of thick trees, to make booths, as it is written. So the people went forth, and brought them, and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the street of the water gate, and in the street of the gate of Ephraim and all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths, and sat under the booths, for since the days of Jeshua the son of Nun unto that day had not the children of Israel done so, and there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day unto the last day, he read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day was a solemn assembly, according unto the manner.
2: The New Testament lesson is written in the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 16, beginning at the first verse. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye shall not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow have filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. This is the word of the Lord.
0: O eternal God, who crownest the year with thy goodness, and dost give us the fruits of the earth in their season. Give us grace that we may use them to thy glory, for the relief of those in need, and for our own well-being. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, Now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I was reflecting with a friend the other day on some of the lasting ways in which our lives had changed for the better as a result of lockdown and the restrictions imposed by the pandemic amidst all the difficulties and challenges that accompanied them. And I found myself identifying three things in particular, all of them linked that have enriched my life as a result. Firstly, like many people during lockdown, I started walking everywhere rather than using public transport. And later on, I acquired a bike, which I now ride all the time. And I've been surprised to discover how much this has changed my awareness of the local geography that I had previously assumed I knew so well. I've discovered beautiful buildings and side roads and alleyways and the remains of ancient holy sites that I didn't even know were there. But more generally, I am just better at noticing things. I've become far more observant about my local environment, possibly because my pace of travel has changed. Secondly, it was only really during lockdown that I acquired and started learning how to use a proper camera for the first time. And, as the pioneering American photographer Dorothy Lang famously said, a camera teaches you to see without a camera. By now you will have spotted the link, which is also picked up in the third change that took place for me. As many of you will know, I'm fortunate enough to have a rectory with a garden here in central London. During lockdown, my elder daughter and I finally had the opportunity to tend that garden properly, really for the first time, to plant things. And also, and this was the real revelation, to acquire some bird feeders, which for me was a completely new experience. And I was astounded at what happened. Because here in Fleet Street, there were goldfinches, coltits, a robin who now appears every day. And because London was so quiet during lockdown, with so little traffic noise and no aircraft overhead, I could hear birdsong for the first time since moving here eight years ago. It was beautiful and glorious and heartwarming. In these various ways, lockdown taught me a great deal about opening my eyes to see the world around me, to find beauty in unexpected places, to observe hidden wonders that otherwise I would simply never have noticed. In general, children are so much better at this than we are because for them, the world is still so full of wonder and they can be so much better than adults are at noticing things, especially small and insignificant things. I can well remember one of my daughters, when she was very little, racing in from the garden in a state of high excitement. Mummy, 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 she said. What on earth is it? I asked. I found an ant, she said. One of the reasons why I love holding Harvest Thanksgiving services here in central London every year is that this occasion reminds us all to pause and to reflect on the wonders of God's creation, to remember that the things that we so easily take for granted, indeed we assume them to be ours by right, the bountiful produce of God's earth, are in fact a precious resource that we receive as gift, and that we are called upon not to own, but to steward and to share. Last Monday, the 10th of October, the Church of England calendar commemorated a remarkable and very unusual 17th century priest and poet. He was a man who never lost his sense of childlike joy at the glory of God, seen in the wonders of God's creation. His name was Thomas Traherne. Traherne was born sometime around the year 1636 and he was a native of Hereford. After being educated at Oxford, he was ordained and served as a parish priest before becoming a private chaplain to a senior office holder in the court of King Charles II. Few of Traherne's poems were actually published during his lifetime. So the reason we have access to them at all today is that they were rediscovered in manuscript form at the start of the 20th century. But what I'd like to read for you this evening is not in fact one of Traherne's poems, but rather a section of his prose writing from his work Centuries of Meditation. In the following autobiographical extract, Traherne gives a vivid description of the sense of wonder that he experienced as a child. And what I find really interesting is that it is not simply the glories of God's creation that touched his soul, but even the life of the city and that of the ordinary people around him. Traherne then reflects sadly on how easily the growth into adulthood was able to rob him of that original simple sense of amazing wonder and of his his need to strive to regain such childlike joy in his approach to the world. Traherne wrote this. Adam in paradise had not more sweet and curious apprehensions of the world than I when I was a child. All appeared new and strange at first, inexpressibly rare and delightful and beautiful. I was a little stranger, which, at my entrance into the world, was saluted and surrounded with innumerable joys. I was entertained like an angel with the works of God in their splendour and glory. I saw all the peace of Eden... Heaven and earth did sing my Creator's praises and could not make more melody to Adam than to me. All time was eternity and a perpetual Sabbath. Is it not strange that an infant should be heir of the whole world and see those mysteries which the books of the learned never unfold? And a little later on, he continues with these words. The city seemed to stand in Eden or to be built in heaven. The streets were mine, the temple was mine, the people were mine, their clothes and gold and silver were mine, as much as their sparkling eyes, fair skins and ruddy faces. The skies were mine and so were the sun and moon and stars and all the world was mine and I the only spectator and enjoyer of it. I knew no churlish proprieties, nor bounds, nor divisions, but all proprieties and divisions were mine, all treasures and the possessors of them. So that with much ado, I was corrupted and made to learn the dirty devices of this world, which now unlearn and become, as it were, a little child again that I may enter unto the kingdom of heaven. Perhaps during this harvest season we too can pause and spend some time in wonder at the rich and precious diversity of God's amazing creation and strive to live in ways that recapture some of that childlike wonder and help enable to make us the stewards rather than the despoilers of God's wonderful world. Amen.
3: Let us pray. God, the beginning and end of all things, in your providence and care you watch unceasingly over all creation. We offer our prayers, that in us and in all your people your will may be done, according to your wise and loving purpose in Christ our Lord. Lord, in thy mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for all through whom we receive sustenance and life, for farmers and agricultural workers, for packers, distributors and company boards. And as you have so ordered our life that we depend upon each other, enable us by your grace to seek the well-being of others before our own. Lord, in thy mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for all engaged in research to safeguard crops from disease and to produce abundant life among those who hunger and whose lives are at risk. Prosper the work of their hands and the searching of their minds, that their labor may be for the welfare of all. Lord, in thy mercy, Hear our prayer. We pray for governments and aid agencies and those areas of the world where there is disaster, drought and starvation. By the grace of your spirit, touch our hearts and the hearts of all who live in comfortable plenty and make us wise stewards of your grace. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are ill, remembering those in hospital and nursing homes, and all who are known to us. We pray for all who care for them, give skill and understanding to all who work for their well-being. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We remember those who have died, whom we entrust to your eternal love in the hope of resurrection to new life. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We offer ourselves to your service, asking that by the Spirit at work in us, others may receive a rich harvest of love and joy and peace. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. God of grace, as you are ever at work in your creation, so fulfill your wise and loving purpose in us and in all for whom we pray, that with them and in all that you have made, your glory may be revealed, and the whole earth give praise to you,